Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest this episode, we've got James Holst on the show. Many of you are going to recognize James uh, from his longtime career as the host of In-Depth Outdoors on television. James has been influencing anglers across the Midwest uh, for many, many years. And, you know, he's got a little different position right now in the industry, and that makes him perfect for this particular interview. Now, for me, I reached out to James because I want to have this conversation about what I feel like is one of the most popular uh, conversations, popular topics in the fishing industry, both ice fishing and open water across the board right now. And it's kind of what's powering the era that we're in, this lithium battery power era. Uh, there are just so many things. We've got this more reliable, uh, easier to use, uh, cleaner power source that we're putting on ice augers that are so much more, you know, user friendly and reliable and effective. And the and the batteries that power our electronics and all this forward sonar, all this this power hungry electronics that we're all trying to, you know, implement and use and and and, and have more fun fishing experiences with. And it all starts at that that power source. You know, this lithium topic around lithium battery power is interesting to me because when I look at or, or just the conversations that I've had uh, with anybody, just anglers anywhere that are sampling this or have questions about it, I feel like there's a lot of information out there that's that's really getting jumbled up or lost or just hasn't really showed up yet uh, because it is an er, it, we are in the early stages of this this era as I as I say this lithium battery era that we're that we're in or entering um, but there's a lot of companies there's a lot a lot of these batteries are available especially when you include the internet there's a lot of money being spent marketing there's a lot of consumer dollars being spent on these things and there's a lot of mixed reviews you know people have bought batteries but they're not necessarily finding them to be what they're cracked up to be for whatever reason sometimes it's user error we're not you know we're not using the right charging systems uh or we're not realizing that part we're not we're not storing them properly we're not using them um you know for what they're supposed to be used for we're just not fully educated yet i believe in a lot of these these uh you know scenarios where people are are not having a positive experience with them and there's definitely a lot of that out there and even for the people that are having a good experience with them are they are they really you know are they buying the right one are they, are they looking at it objectively and, and getting the right tool for the job and you know, are we really making good buying decisions? So this conversation, you know, James, he works in the lithium battery world. Now, as you'll find out, you know, early in this interview, James is the perfect man for the job here. And we're just going to talk lithium battery power. We're going to, you know, reiterate a lot of things about why uh, they're effective and, and, and why we should be looking at them as, uh, you know, our primary power source in a lot of the scenarios, especially with electronics. And then you know, but doing a better job of identifying the individuals it ought to be looking for. Because it doesn't, just because lithium battery power is better than the alternative doesn't mean everybody needs it or everybody has to spend the money because they are expensive. They're more, they're, they're, it's a more expensive source of power. You know, it's more expensive electricity to power our stuff. And, uh, and so to spend that, that money, uh, it'd be nice to be a little bit more educated. And I feel like we are in a lot of other areas, a lot of other products are categories in the industry but lithium battery power uh, is one of those things where we're spending a lot of money 
Let's make sure that it's something that we need versus something that we just purely want. And when we're making that buying decision that we're looking at uh, or, you know, we're setting our expectations properly because there are different levels to this. Uh, you know, lithium power, uh, uh, one battery isn't just the same as the other battery. There is, as James calls it in the interview, you know, there is a good, better, best, you know, and uh, when we're looking at the cost of them, are you buying the right tool for the job? Um, and uh, are you are your expectations set properly that you know, you know what you're buying? You know what level battery you're buying? Because uh, I think that stuff is important. I think that that's really the root of you know, a, a lot of the experiences where people aren't having a good experience or, you know, people are spending the money, but they're having buyer's remorse because it isn't what they thought it was going to be, or they just don't really see the benefits to it particularly. And it could be, um, you know, just a number of things. And we're going to touch on a lot of that stuff and just, it's definitely going to be a very educational conversation about lithium batteries, identifying, you know, the benefits, but also, who really needs to be looking at this? And then when we're formulating our buying decisions, things that we need to be paying attention to, to go with reputable, good quality products that uh, are worth all these dollars that we're spending. So hopefully you guys find this uh, interesting. James is, uh, you know, his, his, his reputation in the industry uh, is great. And I uh, just really enjoyed talking to him here for this. Uh, he's a really, really smart guy and I uh, just really enjoyed it. So hopefully it's not the last time, but anyways, Let's get to it. We got James Holst. We're talking lithium batteries. Let's do it. Everybody listening to this podcast has a passion for the outdoors. Wouldn't it be great? Or have you ever even thought about how great it would be to live and work in and around like-minded people, making a difference, contributing to the resources that you love so much? The North Dakota Game and Fish Department is hiring. If you're just starting out, if you're looking to build your resume, seasonal wildlife and fisheries technicians are the perfect way to gain experience and spend the summer with cool people just like you. If you're currently sitting in your office, you're sick of staring at the same four walls, enough is enough. Join a team of elite outdoor conservationists and become a district game warden. If you or somebody that you know needs to learn more about these opportunities, head to the link that is in the description of this podcast that's gf.nd.gov slash jobs. This episode of the JBO Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is a one-stop shop retailer with all your outdoor needs covered. Shields has all the top brands on inventory in every department and a knowledgeable staff known for great service. With over 30 locations across the country, you can find the nearest store by going online to shields.com. If you can't get to a store, rest assured all their best deals are online as well. So once again, head to Shields.com for more detailed information. That link is in the description of this podcast. James Holstman, getting into this, dude. First of all, welcome. Thank you so much for the time. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. This is gonna be this is gonna be cool. This is gonna be a little bit of a new one. Um, you know, new topics, new discussion, but also you're a new guest for me. Um, so customarily, you know, anybody that's on for the first time, I want to talk a little bit about you and get some of your origin story. Now I'll say this, like your reputation, your career definitely, uh, uh, sells itself. I think anybody listening is probably gonna, unless they live under a rock for the last 20 years, gonna, gonna know your name from, uh, television, 
But I'm looking ahead of that. Like, I, I want to know where you're from, where you, uh, you know, started your fishing career. Like, what's sort of your more personal side of your story that kind of got you into TV, man? Because um, I don't I don't know if I've ever heard it. So if we could start there uh, with some feel good stories about who you are and where you're from, that'd be really cool, man. Go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, so, well, first, uh, thanks for the invite. Uh, I appreciate the chance to uh, talk lithium batteries uh, and reach out to your audience this way. So, so thank you. And so the, the background, um, um, I grew up in Austin, Minnesota, in southern Minnesota, which is not exactly, you know, thought of typically as like a fishing mecca. Uh, but uh, we don't get to choose where we're born. And uh, for as long as I can remember, uh, man, everything in my life was fishing right I, you couldn't read too much about it uh couldn't uh, reorganize the tackle box too many times uh, but austin minnesota uh, i mean it's probably i think it's one of three counties in minnesota that doesn't have a natural lake so it's kind of a fishing desert so really early on i uh became uh very comfortable with traveling uh to go fishing because there just wasn't opportunities close to me yeah we had you know we had a couple small little rivers and you know some dammed up called ponds they're called lakes but they're so small that the attempt you know re re in reality they're just ponds so i would uh, drive from uh, austin minnesota all over the place i mean I, I had just a wonderful mother that would that trusted me enough i mean as young as like 17 i was driving to arkansas to go trout fish down on the white river my brother and i i think i was 18 we went out to oregon out to the the Chutes river valley and targeted salmon in the rivers and and trout out there so i've kind of always had that that wandering part of me where you know i can get bored pretty quickly fishing the same body of water and just really what creates a fire in me is researching a, a new body of water and, and making the trip. So uh, that really plays in well to, you know, I, I was the host of in-depth outdoors for almost 20 years. So uh, but before I got into the TV though, I was a, I was a fishing guide on the Mississippi river and kind of specialized in putting people on just gigantic walleyes, you know, 11s 12s 13s and even you know in my career a couple of 14 pounders just truly eye-popping walleyes and then how i got into tv is just kind of one of those it's it's amazing how stuff like that works so if you've got a couple minutes i basically how it happened was i as a guide i was starting to do some promotional work uh for companies just you know as, as a pro staff guy so it was like lake master and strike master and otter and markham were kind of like these core this core group of companies that i was uh that i was working with and i got the chance to be a, a co-host on a competing tv show and by all accounts it went pretty well because after that show i got a call from a couple of the owners of the companies that i just listed and um the question was, hey, you know, you, you were pretty good at that. Do you think if we pulled a little bit of money together, you'd be able to come up with a TV show? And of course I did the, oh, absolutely, no problem. Yeah, you bet, I'll get to work on this. And I hung up the phone and felt like I was gonna puke. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so it was just one of those deals where it just got one opportunity, took it, and it went well enough to where the right people recognized that, hey, I might have a little talent in this area. 
and then they took a chance on me and kind of the rest is history so uh we did local uh like cable broadcast here in the twin cities through i think it was uh uh comcast where the the show aired for a couple of years and it just it kind of it snowballed just like you know the the most natural way a tv show like that can take off and the next thing you know i'm working with rapala and some you know bigger accounts and a lot more trust and uh budgets got big enough to where the next thing you know i'm driving all over the country you know we've gone as far south as Texas and Louisiana and as far north as well I mean to places in Canada where there's no roads anymore and then uh, through the Great Lakes to the east and as far west as Idaho so I can't claim that we covered all the states by any means but we sure we sure covered a lot of it so for 17 years we were on Fox Sports and you know doing that weekly broadcast where we would film the shows on Mondays and Tuesdays and we would air the the results of that trip um, that following Sunday, so it was real current, and that's why I think people really connected with the show over the years. Uh, they loved the fact that it was current, and we were always doing something that people could relate to. Uh, covered a lot of different species, so I, I think we kind of kept it fresh. You know, from that standpoint, we weren't doing walleye every week. Uh, we, we really, you know, kind of mixed it up. So that's how I got into TV. It was I just took the right phone call at the right time, and I was either naive enough or brave enough to say yes uh, when I probably should have said no nah, this sounds a little scary maybe I want to go think about this a little bit and uh, the rest is history yeah man yeah I've never heard you know so many of those details I I really appreciate that and right where you started that off by saying where you grew up it, like in a Minnesota the land of 10,000 lakes you you grew up in the one portion or one of the few little counties where it's like a fishing desert if you will like uh, you know but but that almost plays in you know like you said early on you're very self-aware of the fact that it, if you wanted to do any fishing not just the fishing industry but just fishing at all at a young age like you were gonna have to be comfortable with traveling and fishing different bodies of water fishing different species I feel like you know I grew up the opposite. I grew up in Ottertail County and now I'm like fighting to get rid of, um, you know, how comfortable I was. I grew up fishing a body of water, a home body of water for, you know, the two species that were prominent on that body of water. And now I'm like latching onto the industry, trying to learn, you know, uh, you know, kind of working backwards. I got to figure out how to be more multifaceted. I got to figure out how to travel places and break down water. So I can really appreciate um, what you, when you were younger, you're like, gosh, why couldn't I just be born somewhere closer to a lake? But man, that almost kind of really paid off. Oh, it did. I mean, it, it shaped who I am and my approach to fishing. And uh, I take a lot of pride in the fact that, you know, I can basically jump in any person's boat for any species and uh, they're not going to have to show me anything. And I'm going to be able to fit fish right with them, uh, keep up with them, uh, no problems, uh, regardless of what the species or the presentation is. Uh, you know, bass, walleye, muskies, pike, salmon, trout, it doesn't matter. Um, so you're right. I mean, if I had, you know, grown up in Brainerd, Minnesota, you know, I, I may have uh, evolved in a completely different manner um, versus growing up in Moore County, you know, in Austin, Minnesota, 
where the options were really limited. So, I mean, that just, uh, I learned early on, man, you got to get behind the wheel of the truck and burn some gas and uh, the world's your oyster. So many opportunities, so many cool places to go. And that's still a part of me today where if I go to the same body of water more than a few times and I fish the same way, I, I really, I start to lose interest. Uh, I, I need the new uh, to keep me going. That's self-awareness. Like you have had your eye on the prize for a long time. Knowing some of that origin story, it gives context to where the information in your experience comes from. Um, and as anglers, we're interpreting each other's information, e- each other's recommendations and the stories and everything like that. And um, knowing where it comes from definitely builds context. And I think that that helps. And, and it, you know, it's relatable to some people and just all those good things. But um, to make sort of a harsh pivot here, we've got some ground to cover James, so I want to kind of get into it right away. Um, you know, we're going to be talking lithium batteries. We should maybe touch on two. Before my first question, we should maybe touch on two. You know, you now in your career, you work in the lithium battery market. How, how should we describe that? I'll let you, you kind of describe yourself a little bit in the lithium battery market that sort of sets the stage for this whole conversation. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the TV show uh, was not my only uh, preoccupation. So uh, I, I owned an ad agency, uh, in-depth media productions that produced the in-depth outdoors TV show. But, you know, we had a a lot of different clients, uh, both in the fishing industry and and, and out of the fishing industry. And uh, a couple years ago, in addition to owning in-depth media productions, uh, I invested in a company called Norsk Lithium. I saw the opportunity early on that, hey, this this lithium battery technology is really cool. I love new technology. So I really wanted to, um, you know, see where that could go. So I invested in Norsk Lithium and then kind of bring things full circle here. One of the clients that I had been doing work for for 10 years uh, through the ad agency is Seafoam. Uh, it's a company that makes an engine additive you add it to your fuel helps your motors run better and um, they came to me and said we want to buy your ad agency and i'm like wow cool i mean that's appreciate the opportunity let's talk more and one of my questions was you know what's your long-term vision for you know acquiring my ad agency and uh, ironically uh, one of the uh, owners of seafoam said well we're thinking about getting into lithium batteries uh, and I went, really? Because not only do I own the ad agency, but I also own part of a lithium battery company. And just kind of fast forward, about a year after starting that conversation, they bought both companies. And then they hired me uh, to continue running them. So uh, it, to a large degree, uh, after the sale, I ended up in the same place where I started. And uh, I'm not doing the TV show anymore, but I'm still running the ad agency. And I'm the chief marketing officer for Norsk Lithium, and uh, I'm responsible now for a lot of the product development. So um, I'm up to my eyes uh, daily in uh, lithium battery technology and kind of everything you need to know about how to choose the right battery. Uh, those are all questions that I can answer. Yeah, man. And and I'll put this out there right away, too. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of a, you know, for anybody that thinks that this podcast is trying to sell 
your batteries specifically, or somebody thinks that, um, you know, like, like Norse does not sponsor this podcast. Um, and when I talked to you right away, you know, you were very adamant, which I have a ton of respect for, uh, you, you were adamant, like, Hey, if we do this, I don't want this to come off as a hard sell for my batteries. And, you know, I, I just want to put that out there right away that, um, you know, you and I are both in agreement. We just want this to be educational. And if people can come out of this knowing a little bit more, and knowing a little bit more about what to look for, they can, when they do their own research, they'll come to their own buying decision. Um, and I just kind of want to put that part of this to bed, um, you know, on both of our behalfs. But I really appreciated that you, you know, you really brought that up. That I have a lot of respect for that because I think the marketing uh, in the lithium battery world, you know, I said this to you right away when we when I called you. I said, I feel like the marketing is like, it's like the Wild West out there where it, people are saying and doing a lot of things just to sell these batteries. There's so many companies, so many options, and they're, they're setting themselves apart, you know, advertising some pretty wild stuff out there. And um, so hopefully... This conversation, you know, we both kind of have that same vested interest. So let's maybe set the record straight on a couple of things, but also just sort of lay down a groundwork of like how people can kind of come to their own decision and make it, you know, an educated, a potentially quality one. Uh, so I just Absolutely. want to put that out there right away. Yeah, I mean, let, let's just focus on lithium technology and questions in general. Um, I hate the hard sell. Um, yeah. So uh, I want this to be useful. Let's answer questions in a very general sense. And if we can find a way to uh, maybe say uh, the Norsk name um, almost no more additional times in this podcast, uh, that'd, that'd be just fine with me. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, there. So my first question, and this is kind of funny for me to say, because I feel like my first question is two questions. I didn't know how to ask it. So you might you're going to have to sort of help me bridge this gap. My researching, you know, being prepared for this, I wrote down first question, like how did lithium batteries get so popular? Cause man, they're so popular in the fishing industry. That's marketing, everything I'm saying already in this. But as I looked at that question, I thought is, is how did it, it get so popular? Uh, is that the right way to say it? Or is why did it get so popular? You know, like, like looking at that, is it the same question? Is it's definitely a kind of a different question. So I'm going to put it to you, man, what should I be asking you? How did lithium batteries get so popular? Or, or is why did they get so popular better? Or is there the same? Tell me more. I'm going to answer the question the same, whether we use how or why. And uh, the, the, the reason is, so simple and that's that lithium batteries can do things that other batteries simply can't right so i'm just going to throw out some examples um lead acid batteries do not do well when they're deeply discharged in fact if you if you discharge a battery below 50 percent of lead acid battery you're, you're damaging it um, and if you get it down below 75%, you are mortally wounding it, right? So uh, lead acid batteries work really well as a starting battery in a vehicle or a starting battery in a, uh, in a boat. Think about what that application is. That application is a quick burst of energy, and then it's recharged back to nearly 100% by the, the alternator. And a lead acid battery will you know, live for quite a while in a scenario like that. Or if you're thinking about um, a mechanical flasher running um, a seven amp hour lead acid battery. That mechanical flasher draws such a small amount of power 
got that lead acid battery uh, if used responsibly. If you use it, you know, day on the ice and take it back and recharge it, it's not going to get below 50% uh, capacity, and it has the potential to live for a long time. But where lithium really differs is, and there's lots of different, you know, uh, advantages, but one of the key differences is lithium doesn't care if it's discharged to 100% of discharge uh, and then charged back up. There's no damage. And why that's important is think about how our fishing electronics have changed. We went from, mechan from a mechanical flasher that draws two-tenths of an amp, three-tenths of an amp, um, to 12-inch LCD screens, like a, you know, a Hummingbird Helix 12 or a Garmin 12-inch graph that's drawing four amps continually. And then we're adding these you know, forward-facing sonar transducers or um, 360 sonar transducers. And the next thing you know, you're drawing four or five amps. And you need a battery that can provide that current for a long period of time, which means these lead-acid batteries, if, if you were willing to drag around a really heavy lead-acid battery because the energy density is so low, you're going to run that battery well down past 50%, and they don't last, where a lithium battery just doesn't care. So that's one of the key differences. And you see that both in the marine side, where guys are, I mean, it used to be in a, in a boat, a couple of seven inch sonar units. That was kind of a, that was kind of a cool setup. Well, now guys are running around with three, four or more giant screens. And that power has to come from somewhere. And lead acid batteries or AGM batteries just do not do a good job of providing that source of power when the draw is consistent and requires you to draw those batteries down nearly to 100%. So there's other, other advantages as well. Lithium is extremely light in comparison. Um, like we have a, a seven and a half amp hour battery that will power a mechanical flasher for 30, 35 hours, depending on the brand, weighs 1.4 pounds, right? So it weighs less than the mechanical flasher head unit, where if you were to power that with a lead acid battery of similar runtime, you'd have six, maybe seven pounds. So that's four times the weight of the actual mechanical flasher head unit itself. So you start to see these advantages really pile up. And then you get into more kind of like nuanced um, advantages where lithium provides, and depending on the, the, the battery you're using, the discharge curve is very flat, right? So when we get away from mechanical flashers, that really starts to matter. If you're fishing like a Hummingbird Helix 7 or, or, or a, a Garmin, those units operate at a voltage range where that that fish finder really appreciates and runs better, more efficiently at a higher voltage. Or if you use a lead acid battery, the voltage curve starts to drop almost right away. Where that 12 volt battery, you're, you're below 12 volts into the 11s in an hour. And after a couple of hours, you're into the upper 10s. Well, the, the cutoff voltage for um, a Garmin is 10. Right, so you're really not giving um, the more advanced sonar units a power source they work well with. Now you compare that to like a, a high voltage uh, lithium battery. Um, 
they operate at a nominal voltage of 14.8, right? So they start out at about 16.8 volts and they are actually, they shut off at 10, which means you are giving the sonar unit, you're trying to power a higher voltage over most of the discharge curve. And what you see as a result is much improved clarity on your screen. You're not getting the interference you would see and the clutter on your screen that you would see at lower voltages if you're powering with a lead acid battery. So really all around, um, just the durability, the, you know, the longevity of a lithium, the weight savings, operating at a higher voltage with a flat discharge curve. You know, back to your original question, how or why, it all comes back to the fact that you know, lead acid batteries simply cannot do the same job that a lithium does. This episode of the Jable Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is a one-stop shop retailer with all your outdoor needs covered. Shields has all the top brands on inventory in every department and a knowledgeable staff known for great service. With over 30 locations across the country, you can find the nearest store by going online to shields.com. If you can't get to a store, rest assured all their best deals are online as well. So once again, head to shields.com for more detailed information. That link is in the description of this podcast. Everybody listening to this podcast has a passion for the outdoors. Wouldn't it be great? Or have you ever even thought about how great it would be? to live and work in and around like-minded people, making a difference, contributing to the resources that you love so much, the North Dakota Game and Fish Department is hiring. If you're just starting out, if you're looking to build your resume, seasonal wildlife and fisheries technicians are the perfect way to gain experience and spend the summer with cool people just like you. If you're currently sitting in your office, you're sick of staring at the same four walls, enough is enough. Join a team of elite outdoor conservationists and become a district game warden. If you or somebody that you know needs to learn more about these opportunities, head to the link that is in the description of this podcast. That's gf.nd.gov jobs. Who should really be thinking about this? I mean, uh, the, the the cleanest way to answer this is if you've got an angler, let's just talk about ice anglers because it's real seasonal right now. Yeah, perfect. If, you, if you've got an ice angler that is just sick of having to cart around a spare battery because they're just not getting through an entire day, uh, or if there's an ice angler that at, towards the end of the day, they're starting to notice that, man, why am I getting all these vertical lines in the screen of my um, my Helix 7, or wh why are the lines on my flasher, my mechanical flasher, they're getting wider. What's going on there? And you've been fishing for 10, 12 hours and you didn't recharge your battery overnight. These are real practical scenarios where you're just not getting the performance you expect. That's the type of angler that might want to consider lithium. Uh, and the other is weight savings. So I'm going to give you just kind of a a comparison here, you know, forward facing sonar uh, is really kind of like the a hot button uh, topic right now. Um, everybody seems to be using it. If you're going to try to power, let's say a, a 10 inch 
um, helix or, or Garmin and run forward-facing sonar, you're going to have to cart around like 20 pounds of lead-acid batteries to get the same amount of runtime that you're going to get out of a four-pound lithium battery, right? So you can do it your way, right? If you're comfortable carrying around an extra 16 pounds in, in this scenario, knock yourself out. But what we see really quickly with most people is they're like, oh, man, that's horrible. I don't want to ever do that again. Give me that four and a quarter pound, you know, 20 amp hour lithium battery and let's go. So there's, you start to get to a point where just due to the weight savings of lithium, there's some scenarios that it's just not even possible to provide the power needed to take advantage of like, you know, 360 sonar or forward facing sonar. I mean, just to kind of really put a bow on this. I mean, we have a 50 amp hour battery that weighs seven pounds that same battery uh that same runtime uh in a lead acid battery would, would probably weigh 40 or 50 pounds right so it, it really is the that old adage necessity is the mother of invention right there's some of these new things uh, with forward-facing sonar or let's let's talk ice augers let's get away from sonar Man, when was the last time you heard somebody say, well, I'm really looking forward to using my gas auger? Yeah, right. You know, and there was some resistance at first. People were like, oh, I'm never going to own a, a, a electric auger. That's, that's crazy. That'll never work. So it's, it's lithium battery technology that has completely reshaped that whole experience of using an electric auger. There were electric augers prior to lithium battery technology. They used the same type of batteries, you know, that you'd find in a mechanical flasher, a seven, eight, nine amp hour gel cell battery. You'd get a half dozen, maybe a dozen holes, depending on the thickness of the ice. It turned slow. It was a pretty miserable experience. So they, they never caught on. You fast forward a few years to when lithium battery technology came around. And now there are just some amazing electric augers on the market to the point where most companies have just discontinued selling two-stroke augers because nobody wants them. So the point I'm trying to make is lithium battery technology is actually making a lot of these advancements possible. If it wasn't for lithium battery technology, we would still be running gas augers. We would still be using mechanical flashers because I use some of the very first Garmin panoptics units on the ice, and it took two motorcycle batteries to power it for any amount of time. It was not a fun experience. You could, I could see the application and what could be cool about this. But my point is the whole forward facing sonar craze would never have got off the ground if it wasn't for lithium battery power sources, because there's very few people in this world that are gonna be ready to or willing to haul around 20 or 30 pounds of lead acid battery to make it through a day of fishing with forward facing sonar. So without one, you would not have the other. I think that the, this, the, the conversation is just as huge in open water, but like you said, seasonally, this ice fishing conversation, it's so true. It's so hard uh, to have one without the other whatsoever. Developing a buying decision to buy these things. This is where I think that the lithium battery market is kind of the wild west between the consumers and the marketing and the manufacturers like where 
I'm seeing people buy these you know, lithium batteries for their, you know, for their flashers, for, you know, for, for all their electronic needs in fishing in a way that I don't see buying decisions being made for basically anything else, even in that price point. Even if you were to say like lure selection, like people won't spend $8 on a lure unless they have confidence in that company or they, or they can read the brochure that says it's made out of a certain material, it's produced a certain way, and it's for a certain application that I want to buy it for. And they just know about that stuff. And they, they won't buy the one that they don't otherwise know that stuff about, much less an expensive battery. It's like, so the price of these batteries are high. Uh, but yet I feel like people are buying these things off of Amazon. There's so much, there's so many options out there, but people are, are just, you know, not to pick on Amazon, but people will go on the internet and say, okay, due to the marketing or due to, you know, some commercial I watched, you know, uh, I think I'm in the market for a 12 volt, 18 amp hour, you know, lithium to power my ice shuttle or whatever. But I don't like that it's, uh, you know, uh, X amount of dollars. They're so much more expensive than the easy generic ones. So I'm gonna just going to check online. And they find something in the far reaches of the Internet that's... But we wouldn't do that for anything else. So, like, what what is the... Infer- like, like how do, how do we, do, you know, better develop our buying decisions um, to buy the right battery for the application as consumers like how do we develop that buying decision better because i feel like i'm constantly having conversations with people that have a poor experience people that you know it's like hey what what lithium batteries uh you know are you working with and and you know it's a obscure name um and they're junk or you know like lithium batteries you can't charge them or you know the the cold weather thing is always a conversation but like the misuse it's like how much of that is operator error this is where i think the conversation gets really murky so that's that's what i want to get into is like developing a buying decision comparing batteries looking at the cost of them um you know it's like what should we really be looking for to choose the right battery for the right job and 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 look at batteries that are built to do what they say they're going to do well i mean you you raise a a great point um and it goes back to one of your original statements it kind of feels like the wild wild west where uh you've got a bunch of different companies lots of them are making crazy claims and uh there's some that uh, are offering batteries at an almost unbelievable price um, and, and the reason that that's happening is the market is so new. Uh, there are brands that uh, have certainly been around longer and have proven to produce quality products. But I mean, there is definitely good, better, best out there on the market, right? So there's lots of ways that companies can shave costs and uh, the quality of the cells they use. Um, I mean, I know now of, of some companies, some brands that they're using recycled cells, cells that have outlived their life cycle in the original product have been harvested and resold and put into ice batteries. That's not a recipe for making a great battery. It is, however, a way to sell a cheaper product. So uh, what will happen is, over time, the companies making good products will generate a, a reputation for making good products. I mean, think about lead acid batteries. I'm sure lots of people out there kind of have, um, you know, their own ideas about what is a quality lead acid battery. And that comes from, you know, earning consumer trust over time. 
But one thing you'll find about those quality lead acid batteries, they're not the cheapest. So um, what we do, uh, we, I run into anglers all the time that have tried to save a few bucks and um, it didn't work out great. I'm not saying there's not some, you know, some um, examples where it did, you know, where it did meet their expectations. But uh, for the most part, it's kind of buyer beware, right? If, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And to me, a lithium battery needs to um, meet all these check boxes that I'm going to list off. One uh, needs to provide the power that 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 you need, um, that you're looking for, higher voltage to to get a clearer, cleaner image. It needs to be lightweight, right? Um, lithium comes at uh, a, a huge weight savings. You'd never want to give that up. And the, the last thing is, lithium batteries are incredibly long lived if you take care of them. Uh, just like any battery, where we talk about, um, you know, the high voltage line of batteries you see in ICE units, um, we guarantee ours will have a thousand discharge cycles, where you'd be lucky to get a hundred out of a lead acid battery. And what that is communicating to somebody is, I mean, let's just do some quick math. If we're guaranteeing a thousand charge cycles, and you paid four or five times as much as a lead acid battery that is going to live one tenth as long. Is that lithium battery actually more expensive? Not in my opinion. Um, it really comes down to are you going to buy once, cry once, or are you willing to replace batteries at a lower price point multiple times over the same period of time? So there's, to me, lithium batteries have got to a place now when you look at the life the life cycle, the duration, how long that battery will last, lithium actually pencils out to being less expensive. So that is something that I would really want to put to the consumer to, you know, take a look at. Uh, that lead acid battery, you know, for your mechanical flasher at 40 bucks, um, is it really a deal when you can get uh, the same, uh, a, a comparable lithium battery for, 50 or 60 bucks that is going to last 10 times as long? Probably not. You know, that, that, that's the way I've always kind of approached things. Uh, buy right up front, you know, buy once, cry once, get it, get, do it right. And uh, I don't ever want to have to deal with um, product or, you know, uh, tools out there on the ice that don't work the way I expect. So that's where lithium, I think, offers just a huge advantage. So it's going to be up to the consumers to kind of pay attention to, which companies are doing it right? Which companies offer great customer service? Which companies really stand behind their warranties? And, uh, you know, buyer beware. If you're seeing a, pri uh, a price on a product that's, that feels too good to be true, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You bring up such a good point there because it's, it's not just, you know, apples to apples all the time when you're comparing companies. There's there's other things that you got to look for. And I think that it definitely reflects well on a company when they have all those other things like the customer service. When you call um, or you send an email, you get a response um, and it's a trained employee. Uh, you know, as far as the warranties go, um, you know, you get that you get that good service. You get that, you know, that good quality feedback. Um, and then in the end, like you said, hopefully you 
the the companies that are doing it right, building a good product, are going to last long enough. They're going to make enough good business decisions to last long enough that we can you know, appreciate them as consumers, and um, you know, it, 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 you can you can have them for years to come. But it's everything you said there. I feel so confident. For so many of us that that can do all those things, you know, can can relate to everything you said from a consumer and a buying standpoint on so many other things, but I still feel like it's so funny. And and like you said, we're just in the early stages, and maybe these are just it's just part of the game. It certainly is going to be the part of the game for these lithium batteries, um, but we're going to have to mature past this because I feel like the same guy that can that can look into buying you know custom rods and spending the money on that and and, and buying you know the the right tackle um you know you, you've got a, a budget for fishing and and you can make good decisions based on yourself and you know your, your self-awareness of what you're going to use it for where you're going to go how you're going to use it and how much you want it and all those things but that same guy that's got everything else just right and tight you know, this, I just, you know, it's, it's so comical to me that, 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 uh, there's a lot, I think there's plenty of examples where we're being sold that lithium batteries are good, but we just have a hard time reading between the lines as to which ones we should buy. And therefore, you know, like people are just sort of straying down, you know, the path of, of, of buying not the you know you know the good better best like you know that that part's not being sold so guys are are uh, not they're they're not buying the best they think just by buying lithium they're buying the best but uh, there's there's that hierarchy and and um and then to be fair there's it some of that information is kind of hard to get but where it is findable where the information the companies that are more transparent that show um you know uh, you know that show the process they they're willing to share you know, how they build or, you know, just the, you know, the, the quality behind it. The companies that are sharing that information are being a little bit more transparent. They're educating their, their uh, consumers. Um, that's where the quality is because uh, definitely the examples that, you know, I've, I've reached out, like I've, I've actively looked for these conversations to prepare for this podcast. In fact, that's what this podcast really is about is conversations that I just had. I felt like, was a revolving door of like say six months ago to a year ago it started where just having conversations in the industry with anglers you know anywhere and you know and, you know my friends my family my you know just people you see in the wild at a boat ramp like the conversation is so popular revolving around uh, you know lithium batteries but I just continually um, heard about poor experiences but if you ask that that person, you know, what do you think happened or what did you find out? Like the, there's no answer to that. Or the same person that's really selling them hard. The person that's like, you know, lithium batteries are the greatest thing ever. You know, okay, well, what battery do you use? Why, why are they so good or, or whatever? Like, like, it's funny how there's just a lack of substance to some of these conversations. And so that's why I just appreciate everything that we're talking about here and we're scratching the surface on, you know, and you're just definitely laying it out in layman's terms that is that I can definitely understand that, you know, there is a good, better, best out there. There's information out there that you can scrape together that's going to help you make a much better buying decision. And ultimately, I'm hoping that, you know, somebody somewhere along the line can maybe, you know, 
writes in and says that this helped them because it's helping me. If nothing else, this is for me, James, because I'm definitely in the market. Uh, I, I, I'm definitely in the market for some boat batteries, I think, and uh, definitely in the market for some batteries for my ice setup. I've I've gone, I've tried some. Um, I'm not entirely sold on them. I made some poor uh, buying decisions, I think, or some uneducated buying decisions, I think, and um, I got to look a little bit more into that. But I am very much the consumer for this episode, um, and so I can appreciate uh, all this stuff, man. Um, but you know, before we go any further, anything else, like like anything else along these lines, any cool stories, you know, personal stories of your own, um, you know, like for you, what like your perspective? Here's one. I didn't even have this written down, but I feel like maybe I, maybe there's something here. You know, you've been in the industry for years you were here before lithium batteries were a thing how do you view lithium batteries you know even without like your position today like stepping back being objective mm-hmm. I, I know you can do that like where do you think this technology stands when we start talking about impactful eras or timelines in fishing um you know as far as influencing the industry totally well, I mean, I, I think lithium uh, battery technology, just battery technology in general, is going to change everything we do, both ice fishing and open water. Let's t- let's talk about open water for a little bit. We focused, you know, primarily on on ice, and we've shared some examples about how I don't think forward-facing sonar would have ever become as popular as it is, and certainly we we wouldn't have electric augers. So, in the boat, what we're seeing is that lithium batteries, due to their energy density, allow guys to do crazy things like there's we have a bunch of people um, running Norse marine batteries where they're getting rid of their kicker motors now some guys will say ah oh, you got to have a you know dual source of power just for safety all right that that that's a that's a personal thing i wouldn't necessarily disagree with it but because the battery technology is getting so good more and more anglers that are trolling like out on the Great Lakes, you know, big planer board spreads, uh, even salmon trolling in smaller boats. Guys are going straight electric, right? They love the control. You got your fob around your uh, your neck. Uh, you can move anywhere in the boat. Uh, they're running, um, you know, four, five, six, eight lines at a time. They got their their buddies or their clients out, and there is no kicker motor rattling on the back of the boat, and that's becoming a super common thing where it's what used to be the, you know if you didn't have a kicker motor you weren't you weren't doing that and now more and more anglers are switching over to electric only and i think what we're going to see is uh companies are going to be putting out more and more powerful bow mount and transom mount electric trolling motors i mean uh, all the companies now um mincota garmin um uh, Lawrence have gone to brushless trolling motors uh, that has increased the power uh, at the prop significantly, but I think what you're going to see is you're going to see higher voltage trolling motors in the future, intentionally designed to replace the kicker motor on the back of the boat, where you'll have a equivalent of a six or eight or a ten horsepower electric motor kicker running off battery power in the boat, uh, and that that is a huge departure from you know running that two stroke kicker back there or a four stroke now. Um, so that, that's something that I see happening right now as we talk. And then the other big change is I'm going to uh, share a personal story about this. This uh, I bought a Warrior 238, and I had that rigged 
uh, over the, the winter. And uh, because um, I didn't have access to the starting batteries I wanted, Nor Norsk was coming out with some starting batteries, I put in two very expensive AGM batteries. Um, if you look at a premium quality AGM battery, they're, they're incredibly expensive for Kinby. So on my boat, um, I have, I'm blessed to have uh, four 12 inch Hummingbird Apex units, a Garmin 12, and then Mega 360 and, and LiveScope. So it, yeah, it's, it's excessive, but uh, I feel like I've, I've worked a long time. I, I deserve it, right? Yeah. So how that played out was two giant AGM batteries to start my outboard and power my electronics with those electronics on, so five screens, I would start to get low voltage alarms at about uh, hour three and a half, which would force you to start the big motor, right? Yep. And try to pump some amps back into it. And then you never really catch up. So it happens more and more frequently to the point where it drove me nuts, right? After about five or six hours, I was basically risking would my boat motor outboard even start because I started to get frustrated. I'd ignore the low voltage warnings and try to fish. Uh, so fast forward to I installed one 180 amp hour starting battery. It powered, it started the outboard. It runs my Verado power steering pump, which is then they're very, it takes a lot of current to run the power steering pump on a big outboard. All of those electronics running nonstop, I have never received a low voltage warning and I have never drawn the battery down below 62% capacity. So that's what you're going to see going forward as these boats become more complex, they need more power. The only game in town is going to be lithium. You simply cannot accomplish it with lead acid or AGM. And we're going to see more and more of the accessories on our boats or even the propulsion systems electric bow mount or you know electric kicker motors that's all going to go to lithium battery power and it's a it's a wonderful experience you're not listening to a four stroke out there you know rattle or you know clatter on the transom um, you don't have to worry about oil changes uh, you don't have to worry about uh, you know fueling up and the kicker motor you know burning gas you're just running off electricity and it is a wonderfully freeing feeling, you know, when you got it all pulled together and it's working right. So that's what I see happening. Um, the, the battery technology is going to be behind all the cool stuff that's going to come our way in both ice fishing and open water. Um, I mean, I joke around with some of my friends in the industry that, uh, you know, work for some of the big sonar companies. I just keep telling them, yeah, your stuff is cool, but none of it works without uh, good batteries. So uh, try to, you know, knock them down a peg a little bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, it just it just illustrates the importance of it all starts with reliable batteries. If they don't work, nothing out there on the water is going to go the way you want it. Yeah. 50 years from now. This will be the beginning of, of the lithium battery era, you know, like like the forward sonar. I think everything, like you said, the things that these this battery technology is powering and making cool is getting the headlines. The forward sonar is like getting the headlines uh, for, you know, like it is so many scenarios like you, you look at tournament fishing and, you know, just all the stories that are told. But like when we look back on it from the future, 
you know, the, the battery co- component is applicable to all the other things. Like you said, in ice fishing, the augers, like, you know, it, it, it in the open water, you know, the you know, development of, you know, electric motors powering, like it, it's so much more than just the individual things that, that it does for us, that this, it's going to, we're at the, we're on the cusp of, of the lithium battery era, not the forward sonar era you know what i mean like it's like this is this is a big big picture thing and that's why i feel like like when i called you i was just so happy that you took my call like and were willing to hear me out and then it was just comical that we kind of you know we kind of jived right away you're like yeah like i you know there's so many crazy conversations out there this is it's 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 just a weird it's a weird thing but we're just on the we're just on the front edge of it is maybe the you know maybe the big thing but you know the other thing too for this conversation we'll we'll kind of wrap this up here you've definitely covered you know you've been more more than generous with your time. You've, you've covered so many cool things that I wanted us to cover, but I think we'll probably get a bunch of write-ins. We'll get some questions. Maybe, maybe people want to send in their scenarios, good or bad or whatever. If, if possible, if we, if we gather up a, a bunch of cool questions or some great feedback, you know, there's probably more we should talk about. Hopefully down the road, we can do this again and maybe do kind of a second installment of this conversation for sure. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, but that being said, man, like I, I just, I really appreciate all this stuff. Maybe we can wrap this one up. We'll get some feedback from this episode, give everybody a chance to sort of digest it, um, you know, and talk about it. And, uh, maybe we can just sort of, you know, find out what everybody's interested in, maybe do it again down the road, James, if you're down with that. I'd, I'd love to. And, uh, you know, my, my commitment to this whole process will be, um, I'll be a straight shooter about it. I mean, whatever the question is, whatever the brand is, um, I'm going to be right down the middle of the road. I'll give good information. And like, like we said at the very beginning, uh, this isn't about, you know, the Norse brand. Let's just talk lithium. So if you get a bunch of questions, I'd be happy to come back. And before I, before, before I go, I want to give anybody who is running a lithium battery, let's just talk for ice in their, uh, for ice fishing. If you want to eliminate 98% of all issues you might have with that battery, do two things. One, use the charger that the manufacturer recommends and only use that charger. Uh, Lithium batteries are a lot like vehicles. Some of them will take E85, some of them will run on regular, some of them need premium. And then of course some some run on diesel. the manufacturers put a lot of time into coming up with a charger that has the correct charge profile that matches the cells they're using. Almost every call we get where somebody is having an issue with the battery it's because, oh, yeah, I, I couldn't find that charger, so I used a different one. Well, yeah, you just put diesel into your wife's grocery getter. <laughs> it doesn't work. So I don't care what the brand is. Use the charger recommended by the manufacturer that's gonna stave off the vast majority of the issues. And the second one is, after you're done using your battery, charge it up. Do not let a fully discharged battery sit around for any amount of time. Uh, That is kind of the recipe for success with a lithium battery or essentially any battery. Uh, Give it the right recharge uh, uh, current and voltage and don't let it sit fully discharged. And these batteries are incredibly reliable. So uh, that's that's my final point I want to make before we uh, you know cut the audience loose. And I want to thank you uh, for allowing me to just uh, talk for a little bit about lithium batteries. I love the subject. Oh man, yeah. And if nothing else, 
Um, you know, if you've got some contacts or if you want to throw out where maybe people could find you with their own questions. Otherwise, I'll try to field as many as I can and kind of, you know, have them and, and, and communicate with you on that. We can just sign it off with that however you want to promote yourself or your contact or we can just sign it off. Yeah, I mean, uh, anybody that has any questions, they can run them through you uh, or you can send me an email at j.holst at norskpower.com and I will take the time to respond. I don't care how crazy or how detailed the uh, response needs to be. I will take the, re- uh, the time to respond uh, to anybody that reaches out to me. Right on, man. All right, James. Well, I will let you go for real this time. 